Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930. WBEN, Joe Beamer, and Brenda Alacy with you for the next two hours. And as always, we have a packed show getting you up to date on what's happened this week, what may happen next week in the world of politics or in the world of things that have been affected by politics. The lights just flickered here in the studio, Brenda. So uh, hopefully we'll stay on the air for the next two hours. Oh, well, that would be delightful, Joe. And so we have a really uh, power-packed show with uh, three guests lined up and your calls and texts. Uh, in the first half hour, we'll talk with Robbie Raw, who is, well, let me tell you, I could probably take 10 minutes just giving you her credentials, but she is uh, an author and motivational health and fitness speaker, an integrative nutritionist, and also a catalyst fitness instructor. And Robbie's been in the business for more than four decades so he has a unique perspective on what's happening with the gyms finally given the green light to reopen tomorrow august 24th and then later we'll talk with state senator rob ort and uh, he'll fill us in on what's happening as the minority leader and all sorts of issues um, churning in albany and then in the 11 o'clock hour we'll talk with jeremy zellner who uh, is the erie county democratic chair and board of elections commissioner so we'll get his perspective on things happening. And of course, Joe, we'll fit in some calls and texts as well. Exactly. That last half hour will be for, well, you and I to give our opinion and the listeners. But hey, Brenda, let's start with what I've been looking forward to, going to the gym. Finally, we can do that starting at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And here to talk about it is Robbie Raw. Robbie, good morning. Good morning, Joe and Brenda. Thanks so much for having me on. And Joe, I think I've seen you in the gym. I you sure have. I uh, I usually stick by the cardio machines. I I'm a huge fan of the elliptical, the bike, and the stairmaster. Yes, I know. And Brenda has actually taken my classes, so uh, I'm talking to two people who know what I'm doing. You know, uh, you know, Robbie and, and Joe was the guy that was peering into the window, pounding on the door, saying, "Open the gym! Open the gym!" for the last two months. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of other people, too, and I, I couldn't be more ecstatic that it's opening tomorrow. And, I mean, honestly, as a clinician, um, as a registered nurse as well, you know, I've been dealing for the past five months with patients, my own patients, who ha- are I'm trying to help prevent COVID and also some who have, you know, recovering from it. So I'm looking at both sides of the spectrum here. Not only am I trying to help people prevent and recover from COVID, but I'm also in the fitness industry 
obviously I realize the gravity of it all. It's, you know, COVID's real. It's nothing to joke about. I'm actually in New York City right now. Uh, so I'm taking a lot of precautions, you know, everywhere I go. But I do understand and appreciate the fact that we are finally getting some attention in the fitness industry because it could not be more important than right now to focus on our health. And we know that exercise increases our lymphatic circulation and helps boost the immune system. So why did it take so long for us to open? Well, that was my question too, Robbie. What uh, what did you hear? I mean, I, you work for Catalyst, and I know Amy Buemi, who is the owner, she and her husband have been all over our airwaves and all over the media. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you hear about the ventilation system and masks and so forth? Uh, tell us your thoughts on uh, the guidelines, I guess I'm, I'm asking you about, for uh, the gyms that are finally reopening. Well, I can just tell you from the start, we have said that we will do whatever it takes to open. Just like every other industry, just like the restaurant industry and every other industry, we will do whatever it takes to keep our uh, clients, to keep our members safe and healthy. And we were not given the chance to do that. I know that Joe and Amy for the past you know, few months have been working at, for the past five months, They have been working and talking with other gym owners across the U.S. on what's working, what doesn't work, what the guidelines are, what they can do, and they are set to go. Uh, They have had their staff in, uh, you know, cleaning the clubs and making sure that everything is up to par, including, you know, the air conditioning. Whatever they have to do, they're following the guidelines. I was just with Amy last weekend, uh, you know, for a workout. And so I know that they are willing and able, just like they have, with every other topic. I mean, they, you know, and I, and I believe that all of the gym members, it's not just Catalyst Fitness, I know many of the gym, um, you know, owners in this area, and they are all working hard to make sure that the guidelines are being met. Robbie, I know that uh, Amy held a, an outdoor press conference of sorts where all of you uh, employees and a number of other people gathered at the new Maple Road facility. Uh, what was the tone of that meeting? You know, it was very interesting actually Brenda great question um it was something that first of all other gym owners were there which was great and we welcomed them we appreciated them coming and we said thank you for coming uh it was a serious tone I mean the members that were there the staff that were there I mean many of us I I cried when I walked into the club because it's just such an emotional thing uh You know, I've always said that exercise is important both physically and mentally. And so mentally, I'm a psychiatric nurse by trade, so mentally I understand uh, the importance of it as well. But it was a very serious tone. Um, I thought Amy did a fantastic job, as some of the other uh, gym owners spoke too. Uh, They all did a fantastic job in, in just expressing the fact that we need the gyms to open. Of course, at that press conference, we didn't know what was around the corner that we were actually going to be opening tomorrow. Um, but we were just, you know, stating the facts that we need to open and we were all expressing how important it is for our health. We've sort of gotten used to calling gyms gyms over the last few years. And what I said in that press conference is I have always called the gym a health club. I mean, listen, I started working out in 1974. Uh, don't start doing the math, but listen, <laughs> we know that we called it a health club back then, European health club, if some of you remember that. 
it is for your health. It's not under the category of recreation. I mean, golfing to me is recreation. Working out in a gym, it's a health club. It's for health reasons. And so that's what my message was. And I said also in that press conference, if we don't open pretty soon, we are going to have a second wave because there's a lot of people who stopped working out because the gym's closed. 100% Robbie you know you say it's physical and mental and it's funny before the show Brenda and I were talking about you know how I miss my routine and part of my routine was 90 minutes at the gym and yeah I had the physical uh, of it but also the mental that's my time I would zone out kind of and have a little bit of time to myself and I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting back to that now tomorrow after David Bellavia show when I walk to the gym what is going to look different than the last time I've been at the gym well you know I've been out of town for the last couple of days so I haven't been there but I know that the last time I was there, we had the Group X studio all marked off, um, you know, six uh, feet apart. I know that they were, you know, moving equipment, doing whatever they could. Of course, I know that they will be doing temperature checks and, you know, um, uh, the masks will be in place. And as employees, we all said we will do whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, so... You know, I know that that they are following the guidelines 100%. Robbie, have you worked out with a mask yet? I have. I have actually uh, walked and ran my dog with a mask on. Um, And here in New York, we've been doing that. You know, it's it's kind of um, interesting because I wondered how many people in New York were actually uh, going to be having masks on. But there's, there's quite a few. I mean, I've seen very few people without masks here. So we've been walking, we've been running the beach. Um, Yesterday, the beach was packed, but it was, uh, you know, people were trying to stay, keep their distance, but it was, it was hard. But a lot of people had their masks on even at the beach. Yeah, this week, I I was doing my workouts with the mask on. And let me tell you, it's possible, you can do it. You can get through it. You get used to it after a while. Uh, Now with masks on, does that mean no water breaks inside the gym? Yeah, I don't know exactly. I mean, I I take water breaks, but I don't know exactly. Um, I haven't been, you know, behind the scenes in that respect in terms of the water in the last couple of days. But I can tell you this, Joe, that I didn't feel, you know, I have asthma. So, I mean, you know, with the mask situation, I was a little bit concerned. Um, and so the last couple of days, I was able to breathe fine with it and... I think it depends on the type of mask that you're wearing. And obviously there's ways to test the mask that you have on, even as simple as blowing out a candle with your mask on to see whether or not that mask is, is um, you know, the right mask and, and doing its job. But in terms of the water, I am not sure how they're going to work on that. I don't believe the water fountains will be um, an option, <laughs> but I don't know about your own water bottle because I haven't been there for the last couple of days. Robbie, uh, having taken your classes many, many times over the years, uh, let me tell you, what a workout. And there's a lot of uh, sweat and, uh, you know, you're, you're, there's always, you know, body fluids that you're kind of expelling as part of a, a good workout. Had there been any talk to do outdoor classes 
uh, since the weather has been so wonderful this summer. Was that an option at all, especially in a class like yours that was, you know, I try to uh, sort of scope out a little area where I could get in there and get, <laughs> get my corner of the gym because your classes were always jam-packed. Since you're in this new location, and obviously the other locations have large parking lots too, was there any talk about holding your classes or other instructors' classes outside? Yes, Brenda, we have been doing that, actually, and I know a lot of other gyms have as well, but definitely Catalyst has been doing that. Um, I chose to do my classes on Zoom. I've been doing it on Zoom since day one, so this is like week 23 or 24, um, and so I, uh, Catalyst has been having a lot of instructors teach outside. They asked me to teach outside, but I prefer to kind of do Zoom. I mean, I'm doing AM Buffalo from my living room. I'm taking. I'm doing podcasts from my living room. I'm doing my show from my living living room, and I'm also doing Zoom. So for me, I can also take care of my dog and make lunch with my daughter. You know, have lunch with my daughter. So for me, I just wanted to uh, you know continue to do everything in the house until I could go back inside the gym. It's just more convenient for me. But yes, absolutely, we have been teach. We have been doing classes outside all. I think over the last couple of months, for sure. Yeah, and to recap it, the gym guidelines that were set forth by the governor, 33% capacity, masks required at all times, and their HVAC ventilation systems has to, uh, have to comply with the state regulations. Robbie, it'll be a, a brand new way to do business. And, and before you go, just what, what do you consider to be the benefits of exercise on the immune system, in particular to prevent COVID? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, let me just um, comment on your point of 33%. Fortunately, our clubs are really big. Uh, 33% means a lot of people still, you know, able to take uh, Group X classes and, and do exercise uh, in the gyms that have a lot of room. The gyms that don't have a lot of room, it's a little bit more of a problem. But um, to answer your question, exercise to me as a clinician, as a nurse, uh, as someone who's been in the industry for 40 years, it could not be more important. Brenda, you and I both have to um, help prevent, you know, cancer, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Joe, you too. I'm not. I'm, I just mentioned Brenda because I know that we both are advocates of um, making sure that we are supporting uh, our health because we are at risk for breast cancer, and we've talked about that on the air before, but. I'll tell you, the thing is inflammation. Inflammation in our body is a problem, especially with COVID. And so my job, you know, in terms of, um, you know, making sure that people are having an anti-inflammatory diet and boosting their immune system and also increasing their lymphatic circulation through exercise, it could not be a more important time for all of us, you know, making sure that we have supplementation of vitamin D, C, A, zinc, fish oil, um, which all help uh, in, in, with inflammation and, and avoiding inflammation. But exercise not only helps to boost our lymphatic circulation, which boosts our immune system, it gives us a sense of well-being. And let's not forget obesity. It helps us to prevent obesity because obesity is a risk factor. I mean, talk about COVID, talk about obesity. There's more people dying right now uh, in terms of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, some cancers, all related to obesity. And so exercise helps us to prevent obesity. And so that's why I exercise. Brenda, I know you 
and that's, you know, a lot of your motivation too. And it needs to be everyone's motivation because if we, I mean, you know, you know how, how, um, deep my faith is. And I believe that none of us are, are promised tomorrow, but we all have to do our part. We all have to take responsibility. And yes, God knows the day and the hour, but we all need to take responsibility in taking care of this body that God gave us. And it's, it's you know, for me, I, I don't wake up and say, I can't wait to exercise. I wake up and say, I can't wait to live. And that's that's what we need to do. Why we're here, we need to live our life. And and that's why I've been frustrated with the gyms being closed because it's so important to take care of this temporary earth suit, this temporary mobile home that I call it because we have a responsibility to do that. And we will help to not only prevent uh, COVID, but, you know, as I've been working with my patients that got COVID, and I know a lot of people who have gotten COVID. I know people who have died with COVID. So it's no joke. I'm, I'm taking precautions as a nurse as well. And, um, you know, as, as a human, I want to help others to prevent it. It's no joke. But I do believe that, you know, over the last five months, we have not taken seriously what we need to do in preventing uh, COVID and all of the other things that I mentioned, and obesity, which is a total risk factor. Robbie, did you have any concern, uh, having had asthma for a number of years, about going down to New York City? You mentioned you're in the New York area right now, uh, because there were a lot of reports about how there were a lot of folks who are not practicing social distancing, wearing masks, doing all the safety things. Did you have any concern about, uh, you know, going into an area like that? You know, it's it to me. Um, I don't consider it as a concern. Is a concern. I consider it as an opportunity for me to practice what I'm supposed to be practicing everywhere I go, which is hand washing and you know wearing my mask if I can, if I'm closer than six um, feet apart. I obviously have a higher risk factor because of my age. I have a higher risk factor because I have asthma, and you know there are environmental. Um, factors that come into play too, you know, like pollution, for instance, which can trigger an asthma attack for me. And I felt it actually, as we were walking down the street uh, here yesterday, I felt like I said to my husband, wow, you know, I feel like my chest is heavy. I mean, I had my mask on, but there was a lot of pollution and I could feel it. And so there are environmental factors that come into play too. And, and so there are a lot of things that I don't think people think about. um, But the guidelines are in place for a reason. And, you know, for people who kind of poo-poo them, they shouldn't, really. Um, I think that, you know, my, you know that my daughter is a doctor here in ICU um, in New York City. So, you know, I, I know the gravity of it. COVID is real. It's real to the people who get it. It's real to the people who have a risk factor for it. It's just the guidelines that have frustrated me um, over the months because I think that we need to live our life, but we also need, you know, to remember that it's not a joke. We need to take precautions. 
Robbie, well said, and I have to say what you said before that, you know, seven years ago, I was 100 pounds overweight, probably over 100 pounds overweight, with high blood pressure and all that bad stuff, and all I did was clean up my diet and started going to this thing called a gym uh, for six days a week, and it really turns your life around. You're not tired all the time. Uh, you can fit into your clothes, and you're healthier. Like, I was on lisinopril when I was 19. I'm 32 now and not on high blood pressure medication. So it is really important to get that physical activity in. Absolutely, and congratulations. But, you know, a healthy lifestyle, eating healthy and exercising will change your life. It will change your health. And, uh, you know, you will spend the time and the money either way. You'll either spend the time and the money in health care, like gym, exercise, supplementation, healthy eating, or you'll spend the time and the money in sick care, which is better for you. 100%. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brenda and Joe. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you great at the to gym. Have you on. Yeah, <laughs> see you at the gym, finally. Yeah. All right, Brenda, coming up, we'll change focus. We'll go to Albany, talk to Rob Ort. A uh, whole bunch of things we want to talk about with Senator Ort, and we will do that after this break and news here on News Radio 930 W. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast b-e-n welcome back to hardline here on news radio 930 w-b-e-n joe beamer and brenda alacy with you and joining us for this half hour is minority leader senator rob ort senator ort good uh good morning Good morning. Uh, I, I want to get right off to uh, what happened last week when Governor Cuomo was speaking to the DNC. Uh, do you do you think Governor Cuomo is in a position to talk about how good the state has been with coronavirus? No, no, I don't. And I think it's been it's been really um, interesting to see. You know, we, we still have 15 percent 
of the total deaths have occurred in New York. We are well aware of the nursing home uh, disaster uh, and, and the 6,200, probably closer to 12,000 deaths that have occurred in nursing homes as a direct result of both the order from the governor of March 25th uh, directing nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients, which no other governor did, and the you know, uh, lack of accountability as a result of that. And yet, <clears throat> in spite of that, now he has a book uh, that he's writing. That's the really most galling part, I think, for a lot of people, that you would take time to write a, a memoir or, or direct someone to write a memoir in the middle of the pandemic, right? I mean, I mean, every, all we've heard, including from Governor Cuomo, is this isn't over. Uh, there could be another wave. You know, we still have to stay vigilant. And yet he took time to write a memoir about how great his leadership was. So clearly, you know, this is, I mean, this is politics. Uh, I think everyone understands that. But uh, I, I do not think for a second that the governor uh, should be doing a victory lap, uh, looking at New York's numbers, and especially uh, not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Senator Ort, uh, I imagine you weren't a big fan of Governor Cuomo traveling to Savannah for 23 hours, as he put it. Uh, do you think that's sort of that, that same way of thinking that, hey, I'm going to go down there, tell them how to handle this crisis, I'm going to come back to New York, I'm going to hold more uh, updates and briefings, and then I'm going to write a book. I mean, do you see it all as part of a bigger, uh, almost PR campaign on his behalf? Look, the, the book should be, uh, you know, how to, I mean, certainly from a PR standpoint, um, because you look at the numbers and the substance, and, and yet you look at, you know, some of his poll numbers and, uh, and, and how he's viewed, you know, outside of New York, <clears throat> and it's, uh, it's sort of head-scratching. But uh, I think that uh, when you look at his handling of, of this crisis, uh, all the different executive orders, it has definitely been a do as I say, not as I do kind. Of, I mean, just today I was reading uh, this morning in, in, in the New York Post that, you know, Hollywood stars, people coming in for the VMAs, they are not going to be subject to the quarantine rules uh, that other people coming to New York would be. So, I, you know, you'd have to ask yourself, what makes these folks so special um, that you and I would not, we, you know, we would have to come here and quarantine or we wouldn't be able to do the trip, but they're going to come in for one night and out they go. So this has been uh, political from the get-go. The executive orders have not been consistent. And the longer this has gone on and these inconsistencies and this, you know, sort of I can do what I want. I got a tan. I'm getting a haircut. Um, I'm, uh, you know, traveling to other other places that no one else is supposed to travel to. But you all can't and you can't open your restaurants or you can't open your restaurants unless I say so. And people are eating a certain thing and you can't dance with your father at your wedding. I mean, it just at some point becomes um really, really, uh, uh, I think, incredulous for a lot of people and just a, a, an absolute embarrassment, I believe, uh, and especially when you have a guy, look, if you're going to put all these crazy rules in place, then you've got to live by them too. And that's the part, the minute you don't, then I think you just, uh, it undercuts the, uh, the uh, uh, integrity of all of these uh, orders that are coming out. It's interesting you uh, bring up about the quarantine uh, example because uh, uh, my family and I experienced it this week. We have an elderly friend who flew uh, in from L.A. 
and is reestablishing her residence at a senior community in North Tonawanda. And she has to quarantine for two weeks. So it's, it's very cumbersome for her. It's difficult for all of us trying to help her. Uh, it's expensive because she's staying at a place that, uh, at a local hotel that you know requires payment up front. There's all sorts of complications and issues involved in these situations. And it's absolutely infuriating to think that it's good for some, but not for others. Uh, as a, a leader, Senator, is there anything you can do about this? So um, we have actually on two occasions, the Senate Republicans and the Assembly Republicans, to be fair, on two separate occasions since uh, I believe it was either April or May, we were back in Albany and on both occasions within 30 to 45 days introduced resolutions that would have uh, rescinded the governor's emergency powers. So it would have rescinded his ability to, you know, make these rules all by executive order. Um, you know, he would have to go through the uh, le legislative process or he would be restricted within the current confines uh, of, of the Constitution as far as the powers he has, which, by the way, are still pretty broad. Uh, but it would rescind those. On both occasions, Senate and Assembly Democrats voted against the resolution to rescind the governor's powers. In, in the six months this has gone on, the majorities in both houses, the Democrats in both houses, they have not found, apparently, one executive order that they take issue with. Because if they did, they have the ability, in the original order that granted him these, these uh, broad powers, they have the ability, we have the ability, to rescind either the total powers in general or we can actually pick individual executive orders. And they have not had the political will to do either. So the Senate Republicans have tried. Uh, I wish we had more uh, Republicans uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, not the least of which is we would then be able to at least pass this in the Senate. Uh, but with the current, um, with the current uh, 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 majorities that the Democrats have, all the Senate Republicans can do is try to bring these resolutions to the floor. The majorities have to uh, ultimately vote. Uh, the whole House has to vote, but they have the numbers. So they rejected on two occasions, and New Yorkers should know this, they rejected on two occasions the ability to rescind these broad powers. And that's why we continue uh, in, this, uh, you know, in the current situation that we're in. You mentioned uh, nursing homes a moment ago, and whenever that issue is discussed about uh, Governor Cuomo, whether it's on a state level or a national level, uh, people uh, often talk about how he was following federal guidelines. In other words, taking him off the hook for what many view as a very dangerous thing he did by allowing people to return to nursing homes during the era of COVID-19. Uh, how do you respond to uh, the fact that some say, well, it was just him following federal guidelines? Well, I think it's really, you know, it, it, it's only interesting, again, in the, the standpoint that, first of all, show me another governor that issued an order, that actually issued a, a proactive order that said, nursing homes, you have to take COVID-positive patients. That's first of all. Second of all, show me another state that had the, the number of beds that were sent to New York, whether it was the USS Comfort, whether it was all the beds that were built down at the Javits Center. Show me, you know, any other state that had that kind of infrastructure uh, provided by, in large part, the federal government that went unused. We didn't use those beds. We didn't. We could have used those beds. We didn't. We sent those folks to nursing homes. Um, and then thirdly, show me, the, you know, how many instances in this pandemic has the governor 
said, well, I'm not going to listen to the president. He's not doing enough. I'm not going to follow. We're going we're gonna to go further than the federal government. And then on the one thing that, that goes wrong or that has been a problem for him uh, politically, he, he blames the federal government. So, you know, you sort of can't pick and choose. Either the federal government's doing a good job and you're following their lead or you're not. Uh, and so I just think it's ironic that in this one instance, he tries to hang even his own mistake. Rather than take accountability, you might remember early on in this pandemic, he said at one of his press conferences, look, if you're unhappy with an order or if something goes wrong, blame me. I mean, he said that. Blame me. I'm the guy. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the governor. I'm the one making these decisions. Well, apparently he only meant that for that press conference because in this, in this situation regarding nursing homes, he has been blamed. We have tried to blame him. We had tried to get accountability and to get answers so we know what to do going forward. Because that's what this is really about. This is not only about getting answers for the families who lost loved ones, getting answers for the workers in those facilities, but also getting answers for people who have loved ones still in these facilities into the fall, into the winter, not knowing what's going to happen. We don't have any of those answers. Uh, and so it, to me, it's a little dishonest, a little disingenuous uh, when, when the governor blames the federal government when things go wrong in New York, but when things go right, it's all him, thank God, and it's, it's nobody else. So, you know, I think people can see that for what it is. I know that there was an investigation that was rejected by the governor uh, August 10th, and then there was another one called for. Have you had any Democrat support in Albany for an investigation into what happened with the nursing homes? We have. Uh, ironic, uh, amazingly, we actually have. Uh, there's uh, several Assembly Democrats uh, and even uh, some Senate Democrats who have expressed uh, either tacitly or, or, you know, openly expressed support for uh, an independent investigation. There is a bill uh, sponsored by Senator Jim Tedisco from the Capital Region, um, and the, the Assembly sponsor is a Democrat from New York City. Um, even the chair of the, uh, the Health Committee in, in the Assembly, uh, Senator uh, Godfrey, who's a Democrat, a very liberal Democrat, but he's expressed support for an independent uh, investigation. The funny part is the, the, both houses have the ability. They have subpoena power. They could have simply subpoenaed Commissioner Howard Zucker two weeks ago. They have that ability. They chose not to use the subpoena power to compel the information that we're looking for. So that should really – I support an independent investigation because I think we need answers – but it's really a shame, and people should understand, we have that ability. We don't need an outside group. The legislature is there to provide oversight in New York State, just like it is in Washington, D.C. It's simply the fact that the majority parties in both houses, when the moment came, when we had these hearings, when Commissioner Zucker was going to be there, we chose you know, not to use our full power as a legislature and subpoena testimony for the information we were looking for. Uh, and then on the second hearing, the upstate hearing, the commissioner totally blew us off and didn't even show up. Uh, so, yes, I support an investigation. Yes, there have been Democrats that have expressed support as well, Joe. But the leadership uh, in, in both the Assembly and the Senate, the Democratic leadership, apparently does not share uh, uh, that desire. Is there a I'm sorry, Brenda. Is there a way for an independent investigation into this to happen that the governor couldn't reject or can't have his hands on? Is there a way to do that? Yeah, it would, it would probably require a federal, at this point, 
uh, a federal investigation. Um, I know uh, people like Congressman Steve Scalise uh, and including uh, Congressman Tom Reed have expressed support for such an investigation. CMS, uh, you know, has oversight uh, because these facilities in New York State get money from the federal government, um, you know, to support uh, both these patients and these facilities. And so that, you know, CMS would have jurisdiction, if you would, or oversight. Uh, to that, to, to my knowledge at this point, I don't know where that is, if those are, have gone beyond the discussion phase. Uh, but that, to me, would be the only way or the most assured way to get an investigation that the governor or his administration uh, would not be able to interfere with or, or, or block. State Senator Rob Ord is with us. He is the minority leader, and he represents the 62nd Senate District here in New York State. Uh, Senator, you're one of 63 senators in the state, uh, but I know you stay in close contact with local leaders as well. And a couple of weeks ago, I had Ed Rath on the show. Joe was off that weekend uh, proposing to his now fiance. And uh, when Ed Rath joined us, we talked about bail reform, and it really seemed to strike a nerve with our listeners. Um, is there anything being done about this bail reform issue? Uh, well, uh, before we get into that, first of all, I'd like to congratulate Joe uh, on taking the plunge, so good for him, uh, and I uh, wish him a lot of luck. Uh, as far as the bail reform, um, so this was passed last year, um, very contentious um, uh, bill. Uh, it, was, it was passed, I believe, maybe even as part of the budget not mistaken and to my knowledge every senate democrat voted for it and the, our conference the republican conference i was not the leader then but our conference spoke vehemently against this and basically said this was going to result in increased crime and increased violent crime and it was going to make our communities less safe and uh by the senate democrats own admission they said that you know not, according to this law 90 percent of arrests will be non-bailable, will not have any bail attached to them, would not be eligible for bail. 90%. So that, that, does, that includes robbery, includes some assaults, it includes some violent offenses, at least as most people would, would define them. Since that time, uh, you have seen exactly what Senate Republicans said would happen. You look at New York City today uh, and the increase in crime there, in violent crime, you look at, uh, you know, even here in the city of Buffalo, the uptick in, in crime in Rochester, in Syracuse. It's across the state of New York. That is not an accident. It is not the coronavirus pandemic. This is directly the result of Democrat policies. And then, of course, they've gone further and, 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 and put more restrictions uh, and gone after, uh, made it harder to be a police officer and to do your job as a police officer. And now they're talking about defunding police departments, including this, the city of New York's police department. So at a time when crime is at an all-time high or going up, when more criminals are on, on the street, uh, they want to cut back on the very people who they would call on to protect our largest uh, cities uh, here in New York. So, again, much like we are you know, in, the, in the current situation, to get it to get a change to that law, you would need a majority of both houses to pass a change. Currently, the the, the Senate Democrats and the Assembly Democrats, I don't see them supporting a change to that law. This was the, one of the first things they did when they had full control of both houses of the legislature, 
And it was a party line vote. They all voted for it. So I, I can't really, you know, I can't stomach any, if there's a Democrat in, in the Assembly or the Senate that says, well, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, or we want to see the results. Let's see what happens. They're just being disingenuous, or they're, they're incompetent enough that they shouldn't be in public office. Because everyone said, everyone that opposed this bill said that what was going to happen is exactly what's happening. So this law is working exactly the way it was intended to work. Uh, and, and people, again, across this state, western New York, should know that. They should know wh- how their representatives voted on that bill um, because that is a bill that is a major change in our criminal justice system that absolutely will result in our communities, especially our large cities, being less safe for tourists, less safe for business, and less safe for people uh, and families who live there. Yeah, Senator, you know, I watched the DNC last week and no mention, obviously, of what's going on in the streets of New York City or other cities around. And I wonder, maybe off camera, behind the scenes, because is anyone from the Democrat Party in New York State talking like, hey, maybe we need to, you know, maybe we need to get restrictor on this bill, you know, defunding the police. That's a bad look. Is that is any of that coming from the other side uh, in Albany? You know, <laughs> I gotta believe there are those who, who privately, as you said, um, recognize that this is. First of all, this is this has to be. Uh, you know, I'm hoping bad politically. We we can't have reached a point where most New Yorkers think that getting rid of police departments or reducing their police departments at this current time, at the same time that we're essentially releasing more violent offenders or more dangerous offenders back onto the streets, is a good thing. But I, I also believe that there, there has to be, uh, hopefully, some Democrats who, who believe this is just bad policy and that it makes communities less safe. And especially when you th- the communities I'm talking about, many of them, they're represented by Democrats almost completely. You know, you talk about the largest cities in New York State, almost exclusively, it's Democrat control. Whether it's New York, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, it's almost all Democratic control in those places. Um, unfortunately, I think what's happened is – their party is increasingly being uh, taken over by, you know, a radical left uh, 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 wing of the Democratic Party. But that's becoming more the mainstream. Just uh, this past June, several Assembly Democrats lost primaries. These were all liberal Democrats. They lost primaries to further left candidates out of the AOC mold, out of the squad mold, uh, who believe that the police are you know part of a systemic uh, racism that they are part of a systemic brutality against people of color and the only solution is to get rid of them or to reduce uh, the amount of, of police officers in these places and I, I think that is an incredibly dangerous policy uh, and and again it, you're, you're talking about uh, to me a ruinous whether you like New York City or not whether you like their politics or not New York City at one time in my lifetime was the greatest city in America, in the world. It was the safest big city, certainly in the country. It is no longer that way today for a variety of reasons. And again, who runs New York City? Bill de Blasio, total Democratic control. So uh, I, I don't know where those Democrats are, Joe. I think they're going to have to start speaking up on camera, not just behind the scenes. Um, I know they're afraid of primaries, but this we are talking about uh, policies that are really – Uh, dangerous for New York and for this country. 
State Senator Rob Ort, Minority Leader as well. Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you guys very much for having me and uh, look forward to, to being on again. Much more to come on Hardlight in the next hour. Jeremy Zellner joins us and your calls as well. 803-0930 back after this. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 